Good day and welcome to another edition of Crossfade Bible Ministries, Bible Studies. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John. Today we'll be covering John chapter 3, verses 22 through 28. And the title of today's lesson is John Testifies About Jesus. Before we begin in today's lesson, let's go back a couple of weeks and review what we've been speaking about and what we've learned. The last couple of weeks we saw where Jesus was speaking to a religious leader known as Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, if you remember, he was known as the teacher. He was the greatest teacher in the land at this time. Nicodemus, we know, comes to Jesus at night. See, Nicodemus had been watching Jesus, especially the miracle that Jesus did with Mary Magdalene. He cast out the demons, right? And, and that's what interests Nicodemus. If you remember, Nicodemus was sent to Mary Magdalene and to try to cast out the demons, but he couldn't. And he meets up with Mary Magdalene uh, a few days after, a week after or so, and he's shocked because the demons are gone. She's no longer demon-possessed. She's normal. And he asks Mary Magdalene, glad that what I did to you helped. Right? We cast out the demons. And Mary Magdalene tells him, you're surprised it wasn't you. It was this man called Jesus of Nazareth. And from that point on, Nicodemus, his focus was on Jesus. And he seen Jesus perform miracles. So Nicodemus knew that this man, Jesus, right? God in the flesh. He knew he had to be the Messiah. Because the power that Jesus had can only come from God the things that Jesus did. And it drew his attention towards Jesus. And he goes back to Mary Magdalene and he asks Mary, he says, set up a meeting with Jesus because I have questions. And they meet. And as they're meeting and as Jesus is talking to him, Nicodemus becomes more confused because Jesus is speaking to him about the kingdom of heaven and how to get to the kingdom of heaven. But Nicodemus, although he was a great teacher back in his day, at this time, he doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. See, the message that Jesus is trying to tell us, Nicodemus didn't understand because Nicodemus put more emphasis on the law, the traditions of the elders, instead of the law of Moses, instead of the commandments of Moses. So Nicodemus is confused because he hears the truth of God. And this should tell us that we need to put Jesus first, God first in our life. That we need to hold true to the Bible. That we need to be hold true to the Word of God. Not to be infatuated with some type of man-made religious laws. That's the whole message that Jesus was trying to tell us here, right? Because if you do that, then you will be deceived. You will be confused. See, you're going to be like the rest of the world know how to handle situations when they come up. You're going to be lost. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to be confused. Instead of trusting in God, instead of trusting in Jesus, because when you trust in God and you trust in Jesus, right? A lot of us trust in God, but do you trust through his son Jesus? Because Jesus brings you to peace. He brings you to joy. He brings you to happiness. That's There's a calmness to him. Why? Because Jesus is known as what? The Prince of Peace. Amen. Not the author of confusion. The devil is the author of confusion. The world is the author of confusion. 
And when you don't submit to the truth of God and you don't submit to God's word, you are like the rest of the world. You're lost. You're confused. You're going to be deceived. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to John chapter 3. And what we're going to see today in today's lesson is that Baptist. We're going to go back to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is going to testify on Jesus's behalf. So what you're going to see today is Jesus is going to begin his ministry. And Jesus is baptizing people not too far from where John the Baptist and his disciples were baptizing people. But you're going to see that John's disciples are confused because Jesus is baptizing people and everybody's going to Jesus and leaving John. And they're kind of jealous. They're kind of confused, I guess you can say. Because they go to John and say, Teacher, you, they, they should be coming to you. Because you baptize him, meaning Jesus, right? But John sets them straight. John says, Everybody has a job to do according to God. And my job was to pave the way for Jesus. So we see that his disciples, they're confused and they're jealous. John sets him straight what God says. Because remember, John is a prophet of God. And John know, John knows that his role and his job that was sent by God to him was to pave the way for the kingdom of heaven. Was to pave the way for Jesus. And that's exactly what John the Baptist is doing and will continue to do until his death. So that being said... Open up your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 22. Verse 22 states this, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them, and he baptized. Now John was also baptizing at Ainon, near Salamin, because there was plenty of water, and the people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone's going to him. To this, John replied, a person can only, a person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. So let's go back to verse 22. Verse 22 starts off where it says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside. So we see here that they go out to this land called Judea or Judea, right? it's, it's a very important place according to the scriptures. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. There's a very important passage in there that takes place. If you go to Genesis chapter 49, we see that Jacob is given a prophecy from God. Right before he dies, God gives him a prophecy. And he's telling what will happen to the various tribes of Israel. And in verse 8, he speaks about Speaking about the land, the allotment of land that went to the tribe of Judah. 
In Genesis 49, verses 8 through 12, this is what it says. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on their neck of their enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the rule of staff between his feet. He to whom it belongs to shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his coat to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes, will, his robes in blood of grapes, and his eyes will be darker than wine, and his teeth will be whiter than milk. So we see here that this land, Judah, also related to Jesus and it's also related to the kingdom promises right because that's what Genesis 49 verses 8 through 12 is talking about it's talking about this place through Judah through this allotment of land that there's gonna be Jesus that's gonna rise up from there that's what this is talking about right here that it says Judah you are a lion's cub you return from your prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, it says. Nor the ruler's staff from his feet. Until he to whom it belongs shall come. And the obedience of the nations shall be his. What he's saying right here is, this is speaking about Jesus coming. And all, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords of this whole entire world. And all the nations will bow down to him. And we know according to the book of Revelation, this is exactly what's going to happen right at the end. It might be at the great white throne judgment. But every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord of lords and will bow down to him, right? Amen. So let's go back to the scripture right here. So we see that this land is related to Jesus and it's related to his kingdom promises, right? So after this, the scripture says, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them. And look what also it says, and he baptized. So we see here that Judea is the land of promise, but we also see here that Jesus is gonna begin his ministry here because he begins his ministry. And look what he says. The scripture says that he begins to baptize people. Now, John was also baptizing at Ainon, near Salamine, because there was plenty of water. People were coming and being baptized. Now, why these places, Ainon and Salamine, you might say, right? Well, the scripture tells us, it gives us a very important indicator, right? It gives us a time and a place, but there's significance according to this. Why this location? Because the scripture tells us there's plenty of water there. So that tells us. Because there's plenty of water there, there was a lot of people going to Jesus being baptized. And that's what the scripture says, because there was plenty of water and the people were coming to be baptized. So it took place at this location because of the amount of water it had, because of the amount of people that was coming to be baptized. Now, this is very important because baptism is a preparation, right? And it begins, it represents what? A change, a change in that person. So that person wants to change his life according to kingdom, according to the kingdom of God, according to the kingdom of heaven. So 
This is where Jesus begins his ministry, we can say, right? And notice what's the first thing that happens here. What's taking place? Baptism is taking place. And why is this so important? Because baptism is a transformation from that which is dead to that which what comes to life. And baptism also speaks about preparation for the service of our Heavenly Father, God. Amen? Verse 24. This was before John was sent into prison. So we see that all this is taking place. John and his disciples were baptizing people. Jesus starts his ministry. He begins to baptize people. This all happened before John gets arrested. Now, we're going to study in this book, Gospel of John, about what happens to John. And what's the reason he not only gets arrested, but he also gets beheaded. But we're going to get to that a little bit later on in the Gospel of John. Verse 25. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over a matter of ceremonial washing. Washing. So now we're getting to a very important part of this lesson in the Gospel of John. And we're talking about immersion here, right? Talking about baptism. It's a cleansing. It's a purification of the body, right? And this is all for the purposes of which that is acceptable to God. So we see here that the Jews, the Judeans, some of your Bibles might say Jews, some of your Bibles might say Judeans. Now let me explain to you what this word means. In the Gospel of John, when he speaks about a Jew or he speaks about the Judeans or the Jews, we're not talking about the Jewish population in general, right? You see, there's a lot of confusion because when you hear the word Jews, what's the first thing you think of? The general population. But John right here is speaking about religious leaders. He's speaking about Pharisees. Because the leaders of Israel at this time, the Pharisees, right? Sanhedrin. They turned their back from the laws of Moses, you could say. They know the Torah. They knew the law of Moses inside and out. But you see, they started following more and more the traditions of the elders, which was man-made laws. They put more emphasis on the traditions of the elders than they did on the word of God and on the truth of God. So it isn't surprising based on these Judeans or these Jews, right? And we see that, that, that there's a message of God, right? But they had their own message. One that came... From, from the eldership, you can say, right? The, the, the elders. But it wasn't rooted in the word of God. It wasn't based upon truth. So this Judean or this Jew comes and he sees what's taking place as far as baptism, as far as a cleansing, as far as a purification. But it, it didn't go according to their man-made rules, their man-made laws. So he starts a dispute disciples and they start an argument so to speak right about purification and what's the purpose of purification right and the purpose is what serving God so these Judeans they were confused because they followed their own set of laws their own man-made laws worrying about transformation right? what is acceptable in order to be purified for the kingdom of God you can say right so what this passage is telling us is that we need to focus more on the truth of God and what the Word of God says than what we need to do on man-made laws, man-made traditions, man-made rules. Now, we can also look at this. Another message we can look at this also is from this perspective. Some people look for points of disagreement. In 
other words, to sow seeds of discord. But we see here that John the Baptist is going to end this real quick. Because he ended it by, by theological truth, he ended it, right? By focusing focusing in, you can say, on the devotion to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So it is decisive to try to force others to believe our way. That's what we can get from this, right? Instead, let's witness our own personal devotion by telling people what he has done for us in our life, and by speaking the word of God, by speaking the truth of God. Now, if you do that, how can anyone argue with you, right? Now, there's always going to be people that's going to want to sow discord and want to argue. That's just the world today in general, right? But when you base everything off your own personal experience, how God moved in your life, if you base it off of the word of God, the Bible, the truth of God, they can argue all they want have no leg to stand on so to speak right they have no no backup because you're basing everything off of your own personal experience how god moved in your life how the holy spirit came into you and started moving and you allowed it to work you put pride aside because that's the thing that keeps people from christ is pride from coming to the cross is pride if you base everything off the word of God and off the truth of God and you take the word of God and you take the truth of God and you implement that into your life, then they have no argument over you because the truth will prevail. Amen. Because Jesus will prevail. He always does. He always will. He always has. Amen. Verse 26. They came to John, they meaning John the Baptist's disciples. So they come to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone's going to him. So they're speaking about Jesus here. And what they're saying, they're saying something's wrong here. You're the one supposed to be baptizing, John. In other words, you baptized him was seen as a prophet from God at that time, right? One that was tied to a kingdom reality, you can say. So they're confused because they're saying, you're the one that immersed him. But yet, everybody is no longer going to you and everybody's going to him. The one that you baptized. See, John the Baptist's disciples, you can say, they were disturbed. They were confused. You can even say they were jealous a little bit because everybody's going to Jesus and leaving John. So what's the message for us? The message for us that Jesus wants us to see here and take is that it's easy to grow jealous of people. It's easy to grow jealous of their popularity, especially someone's ministry, right? But we must remember that our purpose as disciples of Jesus is to win people over to the kingdom is to follow Christ, not to follow us. Amen. It's 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 to get closer to Christ. I mean, look, we have a men's Bible study every Tuesday night. And look, if you local, if you're around here, we welcome you into the Bible study to come. You know, we we, we begin at seven o'clock. You can direct message me for for more details, and I'll be more than happy. 
to, to give them to you and to share them with you. But we would love to have you guys. But I tell them guys all the time. If I'm not feeding you the word of God, if you're not getting anything from me, no more. Then please leave me and go somewhere else where you're going to be fed the word. Because it's not about me. It's not about any pastor or any church or any religion. It's about you knowing the truth of God and, and being fed the word of God, right? But I mean, don't. Don't leave somebody that's feeding you the word. But yet they say something that is in conflict to how you was raised or what you believe. If they're teaching the word of God, if they're teaching the truth of God, the Bible, right? and that's really what counts, is the word of God, is the truth of God. Why would you leave that to go to a place somewhere else that's brainwashed you that's maybe it's not the word of God? They teach you a little bit of the word of God, but they don't give you the whole truth. You see, that's the problem in society today. You know, people find a church and people go to a certain church. But when the pastor starts talking or the priest starts talking or the minister starts preaching or you go to a Bible study and the Bible teacher preaches the word of God, you might get offended by what they say and how they teach it. But they teach in the word of God is the truth. But you get offended. Because that's not what you believe, or that's not what you was taught. You was raised different. You was maybe brainwashed different, you can say, right? So you get upset and you leave. But you shouldn't be upset at that pastor, at that priest, at the minister, at the Bible teacher, right? You can look in the mirror all you want, right? It's not the mirror's fault. You better look at the reflection back. You better check yourself. See, I tell, tell people this all the time. That when you hear the word of God, the word of God and the Holy Spirit is going to prick you at times. It's going to prick you in a way that goes against your beliefs. Goes against your emotions, so to speak. But when that happens, he's trying to warn you and he's trying to tell you. You've been deceived or you're being deceived. You need to come back to the word of God. You need to come back to the truth of God. Amen. Because what's happening is when you let, when, when, when it pricks you, you become angry, you become upset disturbed so to speak just like john the baptist's disciples they disturbed him that's the flesh taking over and the flesh is controlled by the world and the world is controlled by the devil the human form the flesh takes on emotions it takes on feelings the holy spirit jesus god the trinity doesn't work on emotion care about your feelings you know what he cares about saving your soul and based on truth based on the word of god amen now look how john responds to this going back to the verse right verse 27 to this john replied a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven i love this verse so much right here because it speaks so much of, of all of us our daily lives right See, John was a man a lot like Moses, very humble. And right here, he mentions the word heaven. Why does he does that? He'd say, right? Why? Because it's a connection to the kingdom, you can say, right? So he's saying all of this has a kingdom purpose. See, God's behind all of this. That's what he's saying. God is working to bring about his kingdom. So we can say that all this is related. In other words, what he's saying is this. What is 
yours has your name on it from heaven. And if you're willing to submit to that, it's yours. It's going to be yours. It's, it's done. You see, in a lot of us today, man, we get upset and, and, and we get angry when things don't go our way, when, when we feel we deserve something. It wasn't yours to begin with. See, when you surrender to Christ, Peace and a calmness that comes over you through the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it doesn't matter what happens around you in life. Because I'm not worried about positions in life. I'm not worried about material material things in life. Because God's going to supply me with, with all I need. God's going to supply me, myself, my family, right? Of, of everything that I need if I'm obedient to Him. If I surrender to Him. And when you surrender to him and you make a commitment to do that, then there's a peace and a calmness that comes over you. And it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what comes your way, what you think you want. It doesn't because you don't think that way. You don't think fleshly. Now We are in the flesh and sometimes we we want to revert back to the flesh. But the Holy Spirit is going to prick you and tell you that's not important. What happens? We need to repent. To see God's will for our life. Because that's not what God created us in his image. Which means he wants us to be like him. Which means he wants us to think like him. See, God wants to be the ruler of your life. So that's why we've got to submit to the Holy Spirit. And, and allow God to move in our life. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Because God wants to be the Lord of your life. You are his child. He created you just like him. In his own image, the Bible says. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. So, so we got to learn to surrender to the Holy Spirit. When you do that, the things of this world no longer matter to you. The cars, the houses, the vacations, right? You don't compare yourself to other people. Why? Because you're living for the kingdom. And you're trying to bring that kingdom here to earth. What do I mean? You're trying to live your life like Jesus did. Because when you're a disciple of Jesus, you take on the character and the attributes of Jesus. Amen? And what's, what's the most important thing in your life? The kingdom of heaven. And it's saving as many souls as possible. It's teaching and preaching about Jesus, about his love, his mercy, his compassion, his forgiveness, right? But it also speaks about hell. also speaks about judgment, that judgment's coming if you don't change, if you don't repent, if you don't turn to Jesus, amen? But look how John the Baptist, look what he does, right? Remember. All this is related to God. It's related to God's kingdom. Now, you might ask yourself this question, you know? Why did John the Baptist continue to baptize people after Jesus came onto the scene, right? In other words, why didn't John follow Jesus? Why didn't John become a disciple of Jesus, right? You ever wonder that? Here's what I think. John says it here. Heaven appoints each man's work. That's what John said. You see, John had to continue the work God called him to do. God called him to work for his kingdom. Becoming a disciple of Jesus may not have allowed him to do this. In other words, John's main purpose, he's saying right here, this is what God told me to do. To lead people to Yeshua. It's to lead people to Jesus Christ. See, even 
with Jesus beginning his own ministry right here. John can still do this. You see, John believed that God had appointed him, that God had anointed him to do a mission. And that was to lead people to Jesus, to pave the way for Jesus. Now, my question to you is this. What God has called you to do for his kingdom? Because God's calling you to do something for his kingdom. That's why God created you. He created you to enlarge his kingdom. He created you to, to give him the glory. And God's placed a gift and a talent in your life. And he wants you to use it for his kingdom. He wants you to use it to the betterment of it, to enlarge his kingdom, to save souls. So, so what assignment has he told you? See, if you're seeking him in prayer, through the Holy Spirit, and you, you really want to submit to his will, then he's going to tell you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you, right? More importantly, when he tells you that, are you willing to accept the call? Are you willing to accept that challenge put forth in front of you? And some of you might say, well, I'm not qualified for that. Some of you might say, I don't know if I could ever do that, right? i tell you this. I didn't think I can do what I'm doing. I can do what I'm doing, but I trusted in God. I felt God calling me to teach the word of God, to teach the truth of God. And I surrendered to him. And I said, Lord, not my will be done, but your will. That's why you pray the Father's prayer. And in the Father's prayer, it says that. Not my will, but yours, Father. And we need to ask God. Through his son, Jesus, in Jesus' name. God, what do you want me to do for your kingdom? do you want me on? Because our job is to make disciples of the world. If you bring one person to Christ, heaven rejoices. Amen? One person. See, that's why, you know, I'm kind of going to get a little personal here, but different religions in the world. We're all involved in a religion. Let's just be honest. There's Christianity and there's Muslim and Buddhist and all that. And off of that, like Christianity, there's different sectors, right? There's Catholic, there's Protestant, Baptist, whatever, right? And we have a tendency, all of us, right? And we get caught up in, because every religion's man-made. Let's just call it like it is. Jesus didn't come as a religion. Jesus came as a savior, amen? Jesus came as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Jesus didn't come and he established a religion. No. Jesus came and he spoke about the kingdom of heaven and how to get to the kingdom of heaven. That's what this Bible's all about. This Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. God's telling us how to follow his commandments, how, what to do and what not to do, and when we break them, what to do, right? How to be saved. The only way a person can be saved is through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said that, not Blight Wunstel. Jesus said that in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man come to the Father except what? Through me and by me, right? Amen. 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Amen. So Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to the kingdom of heaven, to God. But yet we had bickering amongst Christians, right? About this and about that, you know, and it doesn't matter. You know, if, if somebody has a ministry and 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 Somebody's affiliated with a church. The person affiliated with a building, the church, gets mad at a person uh, 
doing his own ministry, but that person doing his own ministry is leading people to Christ. Then why should that person involved in that church, in that building, be upset or be jealous or be angry? We as Christians need to come together, but speak the truth of God and speak the word of God. That way we're not deceiving anybody. That way we're not deceived ourselves. Jesus tells us in the Bible that as the days draw near to the end, there's going to be more and more people that deny the truth of God. They're going to believe that lie, that deception. I'm telling you, the end times, we're at the beginning of the end times, and you're going to start to see a separation in the church itself between true believers. What I mean by true believers, true believers in the word of God, they follow religious doctrine. Because that's coming to a head. Because we know it's coming to a head. Because in the end, in the book of Revelations, they have what's called this one world religion. They're going to say it's okay to worship that. And that's not me saying that. That's in the book of Revelation. This one world, this one world government, this one world religion, you can come worship you want. It's okay. As long as there's peace in this world. Apostle John wrote that. God told him that. But we know that that's not true. Because the only peace in this world comes from Jesus Christ himself. There's only one God. There's only one maker. God. Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Trinity. Amen. And that's what we need to focus in on. We shouldn't focus in on some type of religious doctrine, some type of religion. But we should focus on Jesus Christ and the word of God and the truth of God. Amen. And that's the most important thing that we need to focus on. Verse 28, last verse for today. So again, I'm going to ask you this question. God's calling you to do something for his kingdom. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to step up to the plate and accept his call? Accept that challenge, no matter what it is. And those people that are doing that right now, praise God, amen. You accepted the call and you're doing it. Sometimes it's not easy. I'm going to tell you that. When you gotta, when you got to deny self and you pick up the cross and you decide that you're going to live for God, you're going to make a commitment to him and his kingdom. And you're going to try to get as many people to the kingdom of heaven as possible. It's not easy. It's hard. Because friends will turn on you. Some of your family's going to turn on you maybe at times, right? Because there's a different, because you speaking the word of God, you speaking the truth of God. But they really don't understand that. Because their whole life they've been brainwashed a certain way to think. That's hard. Because you will be criticized. You will be persecuted, so to speak. But Jesus told us that would happen. But are you willing to fight the heartache Accept the call? Jesus did that for us. Jesus did the Father's will. Guarding in Gethsemane, what he's doing, he's sweating blood, the Bible tells us. Because he knows what's, what he's about to face. He knows that it's hard. And he said, Father, is there any other way? And God the Father said, there's, there's no other way. You are the way. So your call that he's calling you to do may be difficult. that his father called him to do was difficult, but he did it. And because he did it, we have a chance at redemption in the eternal kingdom of heaven. Are you willing to accept that difficult call and make a difference 
for his kingdom. Verse 28, last verse four today. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah. I am sent ahead of him. Now John is saying, I've told you. I'm not he. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one. I'm just paving the way for Jesus. So once again, John is saying, that Jesus, whom all people are responding to right here at this time, they all going to Jesus to be baptized. John's telling his disciples right here, this should be expected because I told you this would happen. Now, we're going to notice in the next text that's coming up, that Jesus speaks about the bride and the bridegroom. Now, why does he do this? Well, we know from Scripture that when the kingdom begins, the millennial kingdom here on this earth, kingdom is going to reveal to us a great celebration that's going to occur. So it isn't by accident that this celebration, right, is known as the great wedding banquet. Why? Because biblically speaking, there's an inherent relationship between wedding, joy, and wine. And this is exactly what we're going to see in John's discussion. We're going to get to that next week. We appreciate all you tuning in and all you listening. Go bless someone this week. Go be an inspiration for someone this week. Go be a light in this dark world. We appreciate you all tuning in. We love you guys. Until next week, y'all be safe and God bless. Amen.